it's great pleasure to have somebody from the amazing company Polestar, actually. Am I pronouncing right? Is it Polestar? Yes, uh, it's Polestar. Yeah, You're right. yeah thank you. Right. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's, it's uh, great to hear. I mean, thank you, Nicholas, also for joining us that uh, Sweden is always on the top, you know, we, when we were younger, you know, not so old, but still Swedish music was on the top, you know, Swedish cars, and I can say also Swedish design, you know, with, with uh, you being really passionate about it. So um, if I start with the, with the first topic, you know, I would really like to go through, through all five that we have. It's from global, market, company, product, and personal questions, actually, that we would like to build on. And uh, I, uh, I am really curious about the personal, but I have to go with, with the global first. Uh, and if you think of Nassim Taleb and, and changes that are happening in the global uh, perspective, you know, which, which trends do you see globally that is influencing a, a company, that is influencing you, that's even out of your industry, that is now changing. One is definitely COVID uh, mm. or, or it's pushing us. But what do you see and uh, what is pushing us possible? Mm. Well, thank you, thank Nick and thank Niklas for, for having me. It's really a, a treat to be, be part of this. Um, uh, so I think uh, the, the one thing that comes first to mind uh, needs to be sustainability and circularity. And I think when I joined Polestar and uh, being at IKEA for 16 years, we also have a really strong kind of a, a, a ambition for for for, uh, for sustainability and what we can do. Not only not only tick off uh, some things uh, that you, yet everyone else is do, but really do some some really good change. So I think that one is, is really top of our list. And I mean, yesterday. Polestar announced that we will do a, like a carbon-free car by 2030 called Polestar Zero. So it's really happening now. We, we're not just talking, we're, we're walking the talk. And, and I think that is something that I longed for. Not that IKEA didn't do that, but now I feel in a startup like this is because it's just a few years old and still so many things to be able to define and, and influence. I think that part was really uh, exciting for me uh, that Polestar has such a clear ambition for, uh, for sustainability, not only being electric, but also meaning uh, the full, full production setup on making that happen. So I need to start with that one uh, as, a, as one big influence to, to what, what uh, global comp companies need to relate to, I think. Do you think that speed of change, are people prepared for the, for the speed of change? Because many times I see also you know, how we are surprised with, uh, with dynamics. Uh, I was checking today, for example, there are 611 unicorns that didn't even exist. You know, there was first one in 2004, and today we are talking about 611. And actually, uh, just in December, there was, uh, they were breaking point, there was 500 of them. So more than 100. In, in three and something months, you know. So is, is maybe the speed surprising us or will this speed up even more in the future? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I mean, as, as we say normally, change is, is the new status quo. Where you need to move all the time uh, until, unless you, you, you will be standing there waiting to see other ones running off. So I think speed is increasing and, and uh, it feels like also people are impatient. I mean, people around the world uh, are really expecting big brands, big companies to, to lead the way and to, to take big steps. And maybe that those steps not always need to be the right ones, but they want to see something happening. They don't want companies that just wait for, for kind of analysis to be ready or, or anything else. They, was, they just want things to happen and, and new grounds to be broken uh, and, and make sure that, that things are heading ahead quickly. And, and I think uh, that will not uh, stagnate. That will just continue that way. Yeah. And you think how, uh, how can these fast changes that are happening impact? Is there impact a positive uh, change in the world? You know, because changing is in many ways. You know, do you think it can also positively influence or uh, can we direct in this direction also the world? I definitely think it's positive. I mean, the more things we do, the more things we try out uh, as companies, or organizations, or as individuals, the more we will learn and the more we will find out what is working or what is not. I think it's more and more um, smaller companies working together, uh, not always the big old ones, because they have a trouble, of course, being that quick. 
so I think it's more and more connecting to smaller companies to get that injection of, of new ideas and new new uh, new um, kind of energy to make sure that even old companies continue moving ahead quite quickly. So I think uh, I think it's positive. I don't see it as anything negative. I think if you want to stand by this on the side of this, you can do that. You can just stand on the side. You don't need to be part. You will still be influenced by it. So you can be active or not, but you will not get kind of out of it because you will still be a part of what happens in the world. So as an individual or as a company, or if, and as a company, I think it's really more important because if you're out of tune uh, and in a few years from now, you will feel that from a business sense of view. But, but uh, as a customer, you can just let the you know, companies fight and let them take their steps and you just benefit from whatever they discover and you would get great use of that, I think. Um, we can talk about car industry as the old industry in a way and, uh, you know, a really saturated market, uh, no matter that it is growing a little bit after the COVID, but still uh, there's a lot of sharks in this ocean, how to say. How do you see, I think you're an amazing example that we should write uh, uh, even a case study about the blue lagoon, actually, that you're developing based on Kim Chan theory. Um, what do you see at the biggest, for example, changes on, on your market at, at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a mix. There's the old car uh, brands that are trying to catch up a bit slower than they maybe should have done and um, kind of um, forced against the wall. Uh, they, they, they put out uh, electric cars or, or, or modern, more modern cars in different ways. Uh, one at a time, testing the market and, and finding their way and getting confidence in, in moving forward. So I think they are forced to do that because we all know the alternative is not there in, in 20 years from now. So I think uh, we have the old players and then we have a lot of new small players that I think is even more, I wouldn't say a threat to, to what we do at Polestar, but they are at least in the same lagoon, you might say, and they're fighting for the same blue lagoon because they are even quicker than we are. They are even um, uh, more innovative sometimes. They are smaller they test out things. I mean, a lot of companies in China do that. I mean, there's several full electric brands in China that we've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, they, are do, they are doing really well, and some of them are going global as, as well. So I think there's, a, there's a, a clear division between the old you know, stack of companies, car companies, and then the new ones, that we, where we are one part of that, even though we're the fruit of, of, of uh, Volvo uh, after 70 years in the industry, but still on our, standing on our own, on our own legs and, and by that a bit quicker and more uh, kind of fresh and new and modern than, than what Volvo could be. But uh, there are many more like us and, and many, many smaller company uh, like us. Then they are testing the boundaries and they are finding new ways and they're finding new business models. And um, I think what the industry is looking at right now is that more and more people move to to, to uh, big cities. We know that urbanization, and people don't need a car. They maybe can't afford a car. They can't they can't park the car. I mean, so they just need a, a, a solution for mobility. And more and more companies are trying to to kind of meet that uh, need with solutions for solving your, your mobility issues without uh, having to own a car. So that is really uh, a new uh, area that is expanding uh, a lot. And, and for Polestar, we've chosen that we sell cars or lease out cars. But there are many other companies that do the other thing, meaning making sure you have the car when you need it. And when you don't need it, you don't have to put it somewhere. So I think that is a really new great uh, road in this industry as well, serving the, the core need, which is mobility rather than owning a car. I like cars. I want to own a car. But... I'm, I'm old, so I mean, people that are 25 wouldn't like to own a car, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's uh, quite uh, interesting to see uh, also how you decided uh, actually as a, as a company on the market to find this niche and not just inside the Volvo, you know, but it, really building a more uh, faster, let's say, culture, building uh, instead of taking the whole ocean of Volvo, let's say, building the the niche and like you said it's it's really 
challenging to to compete uh, with with many things you know i didn't know for example for wechat until i went to the china and then you find out you cannot pay anything without wechat or you know the the models that they developed uh, in in the country okay so um moving That's to the thing. Sorry, 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 sorry yeah. to interrupt Nico, because it's interesting what you say about wechat i mean so all the systems that we have for, for global, I mean, all this, the way we set up our, our company in order for us to be able to present uh, our cars, present the brand and, and sell, sell the car eventually uh, will not work in China because we, you need to adapt to WeChat, of course. So, so when you go there, they don't use our website. They don't, it's just like a source of information that no one ever goes to. But the, the information then gets, gets kind of portioned into to WeChat in the channel that the Chinese actually use, meaning you can have a full you can have a full Polestar journey via WeChat in, in China, which is fantastic, and that's just uh, one small proof of a big market and the, how they can really steer the way a company set up the, the processes to make it happen. Mm. Um, it's it's also in these markets we can see a lot of not only competition but really substitutes like you mentioned you know it's you're looking for solutions you know for weekend we would mm. like to go, take with uh, cabriolet or something on uh, just going to work we don't want to look for parking for example we need solution mm. there are electric uh, bicycles that can go up to you know 70 kilometers per hour and, and go like 50 kilometers so maybe i don't need a car even you know they could be car sharing uh, rental cars or flix bus you know that is allowing me to go longer distances and keep working you know or fast trains in, in france so a lot of yeah. substitutes in a way like i see also one friend of mine said uh, what is competition for gifts he said everything what i can buy on gas station that is wrapped no, because they're always <laughs> late for gifts. So what do you have wrapped that I can give for gifts? <laughs> Competition and substitutes can be very, very different. So hopefully yeah. they have nice wrapped things. And uh, maybe someday we will have even some cars wrapped on the, on the gas stations that we can buy. Who knows? Yeah. Probably, probably, uh, yeah. But, but, but about that, about gas stations, I, I think in Sweden, I don't think we are that quick with that. Uh, I, I would ex expect it us to be quicker uh, because um, all the, the the infrastructure of, of uh, how you fuel up a car already is there the gas stations yeah. have their network across the country and then they, of course we say we are a global company i'm not so um, uh, I, I since i live in sweden i did this is what i kind of see and what i react upon that now finally more and more kind of chains uh, gas stations station chains starting to put up uh, charging stations instead in the in the same kind of premises but they don't do it in the same way as as they did did with the when you fuel up your car with, with the gasoline because they're always in the corner of, of the kind of the, yeah. the, uh, the plant and you you have to walk a long way in the rain to get to the to the shop and it, it's kind of it's kind of you see that this is the start of something and in in 15 years from now the, the charging stations would be the primary position in front of the shop and the guys for diesel and fuel will be in the corner somewhere going out. But that has not happened yet. But you can see the small steps of, of that big, heavy, expensive infrastructure changing, which is, I think, it's uh, quite amazing. Because when I got this uh, Polestar 2 that I'm driving, I realized that it's not really kind of, it's not a smooth journey. I mean... You have to have different uh, cards. You have to have different accounts. You have to find your way. And you have you live with the range anxiety. Will I will I make it home today or not? When I need to find a charging stations. So all that thing, all those, all that structure that needs to support us as a brand, is not really there. I don't think in any country, unless you're Tesla, because they started with that, which is a smart move. Started with the infrastructure. So I think, as a car company, it's quite bold to say. Polestar is fully electric. It's about performance. It's about progressive. It's being pure, and that uh, that in itself is great. And the car is is really um, manifesting that. But you need charging to make it happen, and and that is not on the same level. That is not performance. That is not progressive. That is not pure right now. So I guess it it will catch up. But uh, that's the thing when when you run off. Uh, as a as a player a bit earlier than the others you need to deal with those kind of uh, child uh, 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 symptoms in in a, in a business that we have right now i agree and uh, it's it's i'm having the same challenges and it's reminding me of the 
a new adrenaline for let's say for the new teenage you know when we were uh, getting the driving uh, uh, license you know it was how fast can you go how quick you can start and now it's new adrenaline when sometimes joking am, am i getting out of fuel or not you know in a way electricity exactly. how, how far how far can you go exactly <laughs> and then uh, living on the edge you know there's at the beginning you know 100 kilometers it's only 20 now should i stop you know should i, I go and, we, we uh, have this uh, when 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 we go uh, we go skiing in the winter. It's it's like uh, from from Stockholm you go up north, right? And uh, the rain anxiety gets even uh, bigger when it's cold outside. But it's interesting yeah. because when when you drive out of Stockholm, you get all of these Teslas. Now some Polestars as well. They they will all over overtake you, mm. you know, super fast on the highway. But then when you get closer and closer to the ski resort, then they are all just driving really slow on the right-hand side of the road because they really want to get there in the end, right? So then you yeah. can cruise by. It's, it's still, yeah, it's still funny, but it's... Uh, yeah. but, but Magnus, I have a question on... on because in, in Sweden, I think McDonald's is, is the company that has most kind of public charging stations, or mm. at least they say that in their commercials, right? Hmm. What about IKEA that you worked for before? I mean, hmm. well, they have as well. Also, a super, yeah, they have as well, yeah. right? I, I think they, they they started a few years ago, so there's always yeah. a few few uh, places where you can where you can charge at, at, at IKEA. But just as McDonald's, they're quite slow. Maybe they're 11 kilowatts or something, so it will take you a right. few hours to just get to 50 percent. But it's still a good service, and IKEA was very quick on on doing that many years ago. But uh, it's not really enough. It's not enough spaces, and they're not right. quick enough to, to use for like a quick, you know, forty-five minutes of sixty minutes uh, visit. Then you 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 wouldn't get that much out of it. I think. Yeah, right. It, it's right. changing the the whole lifestyle of of people, how to say, in, in many ways. Yeah, but to, to uh, touch also here, you know, the the speed of the company. Let's say, how is it going? Uh, what and, and company, if you can, of course, share with us. Uh, what are uh, the project that you're most proud of working in your company? And always challenging for me is it this number one or number two that you launched? You know. Okay. So, what do you mean, project in general? Any project that we have? Any project that you're, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, well, I mean, one thing is um, we're expanding a lot. We're building more spaces. I think we have. We, we call our showroom spaces, and we have around 40 now, yeah. just above 40. And I think we're going to build at least as many uh, this year as, as we had uh, last year. So that's one thing. We are opening up in new countries as well, uh, moving into Finland and, and uh, Denmark in a couple of months. And, and uh, uh, so, so things are happening. But I think what I'm proud of, um, it's, and I just started that, but it's about... It's about what I need to do. It's about the, the experience in our showrooms, in our spaces, that right now is beautiful and, and clean and a bit um, threatening, you could say, uh, to make that uh, more uh, accessible and fun, uh, not, not taking out the Polestar identity at, at all, keep it as cool as, and beautiful as it is, but adding uh, like a, a really good customer experience when you go into that space, either if you do it yourself, explore your own in that space, look at the car and explore different features, or if you get uh, again, kind of a, a guided tour with, with a specialist in there. So I think that is what I'm thinking about day and night, and that is what excites me most. But I'm, I'm afraid you haven't been able to see anything of that because we just started to take some baby steps a few weeks ago, and, and it will not be obvious until maybe a month or two. But things will happen and i'm really proud of making that beautiful space a bit more retail and commercial and warm and, and exciting for customers to to visit i think yeah yeah i remember my first experience first experience with in shopping center in the that was santa monica i believe in california uh that's 11 years ago when we were not even talking about tesla maybe elon musk you know on the paper and they mm. already had spaces in a way without cars so at that mm. moment you know it was merchandising and explaining the concept that was 
and and I still have a hat, uh, you know, that I bought, you know, because I said this will come. I like the name, you know. At that time, there was no cars eleven years ago. No, no. Like how early they started actually testing experience yeah. in, in retail chain? How do we react? Do we enter? Uh, where to put the car? You know, is it in the shop center or is it outside the shopping center? And there was no cars at that time, so no, it's it was just projecting, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I think they did a great job, and they had a clear strategy. And then they changed the clear strategy a couple of times, but still they they were the pioneers in this this uh, in this sense. And I think it's really they did they, they've done really good. And we actually did the same. We opened up spaces last year without having cars in them as well. Not uh, for for many months, but still. So the same logic applied to us actually. Yeah, yeah. And what would you, for example, if you have to speed up the company, what would you double up, uh, double down, let's say, in your company? Um, to, to speed, uh, since, like you said, there's startups in, in China, there's uh, some companies on stock exchange, they're really quickly getting the capital, valuations are crazy, expectations are huge, but you already have a product that's really on the market. So, but what would you, for example, double down in your company, maybe why? Okay. Yeah, and maybe this sounds boring, but uh, I mean, the only, the, the, we don't... We just need to make, we need to make uh, sure that customers understand our brand, which is still super small when it comes to the other car brands. We need to build awareness uh, and and describe what we what we are standing for. That's one thing. And the other hand, we just need to sell more cars. I mean, we were selling cars and we have a, a good uh, ambition for this year, but we need to get more cars out. We need to get, get more satisfied customers. We need to have more word of mouth for people saying that, you know, Polestar is a really cool car uh, and it's, it's working really well. So I think boring as it, as it sounds, it's the traditional things that we need to make uh, make work, meaning get getting known for us and uh, what we stand for and make sure that we sell the, the cars in a smooth and, and customer friendly and with a nice experience way uh, in order to grow. Because... Uh, other, if, if if that doesn't happen, I'm not sure we'll get uh, you know the same budget and fundings for for next year. We just need to keep up the speed and, and prove our case uh, that we have a great product and that people would like it. So we just need to keep on the hard work of, of making that happen. I think. Yeah, maybe I don't know because I'm, I'm I'm driving the Swedish. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, Niklas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I don't know. You, you drive but but since Magnus, I, I know Magnus and 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 his super deep retail experience and interest. And I, I don't know anyone that's, you know, the, the, Magnus will go into any shop, uh, you know, indifferently in if, I mean, if he's interested in the product or not, uh, you know, he, he's, he's in there to learn something about the shopping experience. And, and, and now when everyone is talking about this omni-channel and how, you know, digital, some thoughts on that, Magnus, just from, from the expert. I mean, yeah. how, how do you think? No, but it's, it's, it's really because everyone's talking about it, and I hear almost, you know, the same things, and yeah. someone or someone's are trying it, someone is just closing everything down. And, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. How, how do you see that? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big and exciting question. But I think, uh, I mean, we, we see companies going down and closing down, as you say, but we also see pure uh, pure internet brands that uh, open up uh, physical spaces and have done that for for a while you know amazon have their own own stores and everything so i think there's something in the, as i mentioned before the urbanization the, and the in the city of the future people still want to get get out of their, their home they they want to have an experience they want to have a cup of coffee they want to eat somewhere they want to go into some stores and get an experience i think the demands would be higher on what they would get. I, I think the traditional store with just things, uh, you know, uh, on, on a shelf will be will, will have trouble. You need to offer an excitement and, and a link, uh, and this is also boring and, and uh, predictable, but a link to more more sources and more, more facts about the product. So you could really understand the product by looking at it, but also diving into the other assets that that product has through internet or, or connections via QR codes or whatever. So I think the merge between physical retail and, and, and e-commerce will continue. And I think the, the the middle of the road will not be there. Either it's super s simple and you just buy it because it's uh, cheap and it's outside the city centers, or it's an experience compared to going to an Apple store or a Versace store or whatever, because you don't, you don't have time to spend on just boring stuff so um yeah i think that's 
that's the closest I can get. But but I mean, what what you need to do then is to look at different industries and and pick the cherries from the cake in every industry and try to implement it in your own, whatever works for the customers. So, I'm looking at both you know grocery stores that are innovative. I'm looking at uh, sports uh, equipment stores that do right good things. I'm looking at uh, uh, restaurants, how they treat the customers. I look at uh, hotels, how they treat the customers being a, an host for their stay. So I'm looking at what are the components that are really making people happy when they go, go outside their own home? And how can we take that and implement that and give that back in, in, in the shape of, of uh, Polestar spaces? So it's not, it should not, you should not get stuck in the industry and how it used to be and what we sell. You need to really embrace all the techniques and features that you can find to make people excited about visiting your space and your your store yeah so look 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 across look across industries i would say look across the different uh, branches and everything and make sure that you pick the best things and and implement it in a in a good way in in, in your industry this this cross industry learning, like you said, uh, somebody said that it's uh, the biggest knowledge is when we can uh, we can uh, shift from one one industry to another, you know, and get get the best experience, you know, because when you're in the industry, you always look left and right to your competitors. But we can you know, copy paste uh, from totally different industry or different models, especially with what you're talking before, and with six six hundred eleven uh, unicorns, I would say they're stealing a lot of uh, cheese. To the traditional companies and we see for example uh, how important is uh, it, it's not important anymore to how big you are but how fast and because the yes. fastest are eating the the small ones and not the big ones eating the small ones in, in true true yeah. true and uh, i had also one photo when we were analyzing for example classic uh, package delivery of uh, dhl you know and and uh, seeing the or tnt you know when you see that each button of their on, on their page is attacked by one of the small competitors but they become from totally different industry like uber delivering food but starting mm. delivering you know, other things can really influence and, and jump in the and they have different game you know they, they don't hunt every year profits but they just grow it just go for mm. ip uh, billions of money behind you know to, and yeah. we also in, in HTech also develop some of this fast forward, let's say, companies. Now we support some of them, uh, even received 1.7 billion investment. Uh, and we really were second employee there, you know, in a way, uh, second technique. So really uh, did more than uh, in, in, the in the longest cooperation, we did 300 innovation sprints, for example, already together, building up the uh, innovations in, in technical sense. Yeah. Mm. I think and, uh, uh, just, just to add to that, Nick, I think when you talk about sprints, uh, sprints you always mention when you when you work in a high tech company, yeah. uh, when you deliver technical solutions. But I think we should look at sprints, and we try to do that here because we're still that small in the industry. So how can we test things and and uh, quickly measure if they work or not? I mean, just put it out there. Uh, we own uh, four uh, spaces ourselves. I mean, we, we we run most of the spaces are run by partners, and of course we can ask them to to do tests with us and for us, but we do have four spaces that we that we own ourselves. So we need to accelerate how we test things and put it out there, meeting the customer. And it's, is it yes or no? Did it work, didn't it? Can we tweak something or should we show, throw it away and try something new? I think that is the way to innovate, to really test things in the real environment with real people, real customers, uh, giving the judgment if this is good or not. So I, I just spoke to my colleague in, in, in uh, Netherlands about an ex super interesting project that they are speeding up uh, uh, the process with doing. And maybe we should have done that uh, globally in the headquarters, but now they're doing it because they, they needed it because they feel the pressure from the market. Yeah. And I told them, go ahead, just think about this and this and this and make sure we connect to the systems in the right way so we can make it global later on. But um, they're running off with that now, and hopefully we could see some really exciting things happening in, in Amsterdam in, in a few months that we would bring up and use as a standard for all uh, our, our countries moving forward. So I think that way of working with sprints or small tests or pilots and validate them quickly, tweak them, and then put them into production and use them. I think that is the way to keep up speed, as you mentioned before. How do you do that when you're growing up as a company yeah. being bigger and bigger? 
But I think we have some interesting answers to this, not just in technical sense, but we acquired, for example, one design company now that we are making also design sprints in a way and combining then design and innovation things, not just in technical sense, but also in, in finding solution. And, and I'll give you one, one simple example, how we work also uh, just between, uh, it's we don't pay people by time. We pay them by adding value. So everything that we built is just, okay, what can we do, not today, but what are the two steps forward that we can do before you even think what you may need, you know? So we, we always think two steps ahead and it's giving us opportunity to think exactly what you do. We do two more sprints ahead that we can think, okay, what about this? What mm. about that? It's not driving taxi from A to B, you order us and we deliver, but exactly this, how can we uh, go faster together, you know, and, and find opportunities sometimes that they're not even uh, existing when we start. So one example with one of the greatest technical companies, the first challenge that we had was create a button, you know, very boring thing, but we made almost PhD of what button can be and how to, you know, what can be beyond, how this can influence from a simple thing as button, you know, so giving uh, this, but yeah, I would say that that uh, this this is the, uh, speed is not in, in most of the economical logic and business, um, how to say, um, theories or or even the balance sheets. There's no speed. Mm. There's only fixed numbers, and mm. and we are forgetting the, the dynamics and the acceleration of these dynamics that I mentioned before. You know, it's because everybody it's balance sheet is once per year, but where's the dynamics behind? You know, what what is the um, let's say ratio of this speed. Yeah. Nico, that's a that's a really good point because that's what why I thought that's why I thought H Tech was super interesting because I've I've you know I've I've worked with and and at different uh, you know technical or innovation consultancies, but I've I've very often found that the business model charging in the end charging for time is the biggest hinder or what what do you call it the, the biggest barrier to actually being part of the innovation and drive the innovation as as a partner instead of mm. just someone delivering so i i i uh, I, I think you're you, you have a really good point there uh, Nico, mm. actually um, that there's so many things you know that you don't think of that that will affect exactly how you in the end are able to work and, and drive kind of innovation it's it's super interesting mm. yeah yeah i think i think what we said i mean being um open to to sprints and tests and try your way out and try it in the real environment meeting the customers that you have and and see if, if, if it if it flies or not i think that is one crucial thing the other thing i think is about the culture uh, the culture in the company uh, and Ikea was really good at that because in, at Ikea you say the only one that doesn't make mistakes are the ones that are sleeping. Uh, and, and so, I mean, we, you, you are allowed to make mistakes as long as you learn from them and may, maybe don't repeat them too many times. But there is a kind of a culture of, of keep on trying, testing, because you know best because you are closer to the customer or whatever. And I, and I think that I will try to implement that uh, as much as I can here at Polestar as well, because I think... If you're afraid of making mistakes, if, if you're too um, too much steered towards the, the, as you said, the balance sheet and the numbers, and you don't tr dare to deviate from from anything, then you will end up not innovate either. So I mean, it's simple as that. You need to dare let people dare do those things that they ha have the gut feeling that would work. Yeah. It, it reminds me what Dave McClure said about the startups, you know, in a way. So. If, if you don't know what's your product, if you don't know who's your customer or uh, how you're going to make money, hey, you're a startup. So, so generally, yeah. you're totally lost. <laughs> so moving, moving from this startup phase, you know, and, and being, uh, how to say, totally lost with uh, companies that are almost on, on uh, I would say, like trains, really on the fixed, you know, uh, transportation directions, you know, that cannot mm. move left or right. Yeah. But if you move to, to another animal that we built around Seth Godin, this, this purple cow that I still admire, uh, not just watching Milka, but actually how to say no to some customers even, you know, how to differentiate, how to build a tribe around. How do you see the uh, product differentiation for you? Do you have your tribe that you would be ideal customers or uh, that, that can build, you know, that can buy your brand? 
yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really interesting question. One of, one of the biggest uh, um, questions I had when I started was, what's our target group? Yeah, and it it appears we don't have a defined one, <laughs> um, and that is of course uh, troubling. Uh, when I'm a, a marketing person, I, I always think about we need to be very focused on who we are who we are uh, aiming for and uh, somehow we we turn that around and, and I, I think it's a good idea we we put out something that we really really believe in we put out a product that we think is is um, designed in a certain way it has a performance and and the capacities in a certain way and it has an ambition of being you know driving sustainability in a specific way so that we put out there. We put out there in a context of a slick brand, a beautiful website, beautiful spaces, and then we wait to see who reacts. Who is who is being attracted by this? And who is walking in the door in the spaces? Or who is clicking uh, on the website? Or who who, are, who follow us, at, us on, at uh, social media, on, uh, on social media? So it's kind of the, it's quite a confident and, and um, yeah, it's almost stubborn way of doing things that I feel is a bit fascinating, is a bit, it's a bit new, new to me, and but I do embrace it and I, I want to see where it leads us because I think it's exciting because normally I would say we need to focus on the target group, we need to understand what they like, we need to design our offer towards their needs and we need to push it hard to them for them to register that we are there. So, so it's a bit of another take on, on how we do this. But the result is still, to answer your question, the result is still that the ones that are looking for, maybe not any electric car, maybe not the one with, with the longest range, maybe not the one with the most charging stations connect, connected to it, but the ones that really likes the brand uh, that, we, that we have created, they, of course, then likes us and they become our tribe, they become our ambassadors. And I follow a lot of uh, social media and, uh, groups uh, where people discuss around the Polestar brand and the Polestar car, and and uh, it's fascinating how how much energy people put into that and how 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 much they really uh, like the brand and love the car. So it's it's um, it's it's out there. There is a tribe. There is a, a fan base, um, and we have let it kind of organically grow without steering it. And we're just grateful that it's happening. And we, I, I just think personally, we need to understand how to interact and engage and, and kind of nurture that community instead of just leaving it uh, as it is. So, so it's an interesting thing of just putting something in play and have that confidence to do so and hope for the best that someone out there would like it. And obviously there, there are people doing that. Yeah. It's uh, maybe a short uh, just uh, replica on this. It's uh, I had the opportunity working with Leslie Dershanatoni, uh, who got uh, Bianco check, let's say from uh, Mini. Let's say mm -hmm. let's build a brand. And actually, when, when I listen to you, I get exactly what what you were doing is actually kind of also his recipe. It's it's building from the inside. You're mm -hmm. building what you are so strongly actually they, that you attract the energy of the customers, not even being so much, um, let's say, focused on personas and, and types, mm -hmm. but actually they're already magnetic field, you know, that is uh, bringing, you know, the people that are bringing and, uh, let's say, replicating the energy that you want to share. You know, uh, it's, I think that one of the uh, big differences when I see the Polestar compared to the Chinese startups or even American startups, you know, the, the power behind, you know, the, the work that you did already with branding, you know, it's it's everything is there. With the mm. startups, maybe the car is there, but brand is way behind. Uh, yeah. In, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And this is this is really helping them to, to have Purple Cow uh, and, and uh, to, to have... Uh, I don't know. Do you do you deliver Polestar also in purple color? <laughs> no, you can't. Definitely, no, no. They're quite. They're <laughs> quite. Uh, the, the 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 colors you can get. I think it's six or five or six colors, and they're quite um, modest. I would say it's it's light <laughs> okay. or, or light or dark gray. It's dark blue. It's white, or it's um, I think it's uh, something called like a beige metallic called Moon. So they're yeah. no, no. They're not. They're not screamy. There are no red ones or yellow ones. No. Great. Uh, I, th so I think, we'll I think I, I'm really sure that that is a, 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 that is a, a conscious decision. It should not be yeah. red. It should not be yellow. 
No, they need to be part of the brand building that we do. They need to carry on that same style and feeling that that we want the, the brand to to, to kind of uh, uh, be. You you don't want the drivers that were driving a bright yellow uh, Lamborghini, for example. <laughs> it's not your type of yeah. That's not us, no. Exactly the defining with with Seb Gunn, you know, we don't want these customers. It's like uh, it's very sometimes even music is defining us. When you take the I don't know the the music, there's a lot of music from Sweden, but uh, you take some some uh, metal uh, clubs or metal camps, you know, things. It's really defining if you're listening to rock or even to to house music, you're not on their events. So no, exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, moving already to the last of the animals, you know, to to the fifth and the personal touch. Uh, the, the oldest theory that is, I think, really explaining a lot uh, with with uh, this big data and, and social media. It's kind of butterfly wings. How the you know flap of the wings on one side can really make hurricanes on another. And uh, on personal, you know, we can influence not being just you know Kim Kardashians and others, but we can influence with uh, with the uh, companies, with the brands that we build up. And it's really interesting to also here touch your mantra and and your perception. So. Uh, what I find about it is also that all dimensions uh, need to work together in a way to, to attract new customers and keep the current ones engaged. And mm -hmm. it's really explaining how also we are part of the, you know, let's say, of the bigger story, of the bigger part, and that we can influence back. Now, and here I have uh, also a few questions, but first, a very simple one. What's your favorite uh, Scottish whiskey? <laughs> That's... You know, you know that is the easiest question I ever got I because, because um, you know, I love all whiskey. I do, yeah. but I prefer uh, Scottish whiskey, and I prefer whiskey from Isla. And uh, on Isla, oh, I, me too. I, I prefer Arbeck, and, and within Arbeck, I prefer the ten-year-old Arbeck. So, okay. I'm quite specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, very on your side on this island. I also am a big fan of Lafroyd. That can be mm -hmm. also a little bit too strong sometimes, but uh, and and uh, definitely when we look the uh, Bible of, of whiskey, Ardbeck also it's always in in my house. You know, to to be for the special moment. And, but you know, uh, can I tell you a small story about that? Because yes, please. I, when I found out this this taste of whiskey in the nineties. It was actually like a Vullin that that I love. Yeah. Yes. But then, but and I really liked that this was the best whiskey I've ever been, been drinking. So, but I was thinking, okay, but like a Vullin was part of the six classic malts. That so I felt this will be promoted in every bar in the world as six classic malts, where one will be like a Vullin and the other five would be other districts for, from Scotland. And I, I told myself, do I want to drink a whiskey? that is being that exposed. Do I feel different then? Probably not. So so I tried to find a whiskey from Isla that tasted as Lagavulin, but was not the Lagavulin. And that's how I found Ardbeck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have also interesting story. I was locked in one airport for all day, you know, and, uh, the, and I find actually the whiskey uh, shop and the Bible. And I had all day of learning and I hardly find my plane on time. So after finishing this. But it was it was a start of the long, uh, many years also uh, love to, to whiskey. So we can share that in one day. Yeah, yeah I love to do that. And you know, yeah. are, are you a member of the Ardbeck Committee then? No, uh, I have I have uh, one of them. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. but I didn't all, uh, took all the all the ones from from all the bottles. Yeah, yeah because there, there's a, like a fan club or a, yes, uh, yes, that is your Arbeck committee that you get in the, the kind of corner of the foot. Yeah, let's say of the land. But yeah. I, I, and I, I've been a part of that for many years. I don't get that. I mean, they. I think it's a kind of a, what do you say. Um, single-minded relationship because I love them, but I don't feel they love me as much back. Uh, yeah. I would love to have because you used to get small brown <laughs> letters from from Scotland from the Ardbeck committee telling you some news about something or, or with a small giveaway or something. I haven't, I haven't got that for years, so uh, I want them to understand that I, I love them still, even though they treat me as as shit. So, so maybe we will get a Polestar committee uh, on the Polestar, where we can have a, a, our, you know, uh, foot of the land when once we discover the Polestar. Could be, yeah, could be. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. So, 
what was the biggest challenge now we, we we covered the risk case you know we go on the hard questions again you know what was the biggest challenge that you faced in your career you know as, as marketeer branding creative person you know, close to design and how did you handle it you know what, what was the biggest challenge that you see so far yeah um, good question. I, I, maybe there's a few. One was definitely uh, when I worked at IKEA for 16 years and maybe 12 of them, I was working with CRM and trying to establish CRM and loyalty as, as a tool for IKEA to be more efficient and, and deliver a higher customer satisfaction, but also to earn more money. And IKEA being a, a production or production oriented uh, mass marketing uh, company, that was really hard. It was really hard to whoever you talk to about CRM, meaning that you have to to divide people into different groups and to treat them differently. That was so against the culture of IKEA, where you should treat everyone exactly the same. And so I think that struggle, I mean, I, I struggled for more than a decade. And then we came to some a point where we I think we succeeded in, in some ways. And, and now I left, and now I know they are continuing even more in that area. But I think that was, um, because that was a struggle that was really both my personal and my job uh, challenge to, to get this to work, because this is why I'm here. I need to get this, this kind of understanding of why it's smarter to, to treat people more relevantly than not doing that. And it was totally hard, totally impossible at, in IKEA 10, 15 years ago to do that. So that, I think, was a, a main struggle. And the way I dealt with that was just to try to, you know, convince more and more people in my surroundings and make sure that we tested things and got really good results, showing that this method works and we get more out of it and the customers get more happy. So more and more facts that people can't really hide anymore because when you have too many facts and too many, too, too many sharp arguments, people just have to give up. But it takes a lot from you to, to make that happen. And, and you need to you know, put in all your energy to make, make, make that work because uh, otherwise you would be run over by the, the, the kind of the, the culture and the, the, the way that we have done things in this company since we started the thing. So that, yeah. I'm sure that was, that was one of the, the biggest ones, I think. Um, now I would say another thing that has been um, a struggle, I think, here at, at Polestar is that as we started as a design-oriented brand, and this is just a few months back because I haven't been there here so long, um, but to, to get people to understand that at the moment that we open spaces, meaning the, the, the moment we open the door to retail and interact with people walking around in city centers between different shops, then we need to... Um, we need to understand the demands from people and the expectations from people when they walk into our shops or spaces next to another shop. And that kind of retail understanding is not really here. I think my position was created here because we want to take big steps in, the, in that area with the retail experience thing that I'm driving. But I think that is an ongoing struggle that I haven't solved completely yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm making progress and I have a lot of smart people here that see what I mean. And they're not objective to it at all, but uh, it's not in the nature of Polestar to think about that because we are a, we are a di digital brand and we, we focus on how we, how we present ourselves uh, online, on social media and on, on TV. That is what we focus on. And we don't really think so much about, okay, so what happens when people get into our spaces and, and have expectations that we like basic retail uh, expectations that we need to fulfill before we can start with telling our story or what, what we want to accomplish as a brand. So that I think is an ongoing uh, battle right now. Yeah, thank you. I, I really feel you. I, I was starting with CRM implementations uh, 20 years ago, 21 years with car in car industry. And I know uh, it was in, with Porsche in Austria. I was learning actually how to implement it in East Europe. And I know the struggle. It's really, really tough. But even with IKEA, yeah. Well, so uh, for now, you're not planning any meatballs or meat stars in Polestar. <laughs> no, yeah. not not that. No, we, we try to we, we try to 
bring Swedishness uh, in another format instead of uh, meatballs. I do love meatballs, though, but uh, yeah. we have another take on it at Whole Story. Yes. Yeah. Here it's more about, as you have seen, it's more about the minimalistic design. It's more about the pure uh, identity of what, where, where we come from. It's more about, um, you know, the, the electrification and our ambitions in, in, in sustainability. That is the Swedish kind of part that we try to, to bring forward, I think, with Polestar. Yeah, yeah. So, and you you mentioned the the challenge that you had, but what do you see as your what do you see as your superpower, if you call it this way? What keeps you actually go through with this uh, toughest uh, challenges that you have, uh, you know, with, with your toughest days, let's say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. Um, so I think um, I really love and get get uh, energized uh, by working with with other people uh, in in an environment where not everything is set. So there are still a lot of things that you can fix and tweak and and, and develop in order to get where you want. So I think I'm really happy being um, in an organization that that uh, that is open to that. And I think what I'm best at is interacting cross functionally with different uh, because. When you structure a company, you have clear, you know, different departments and functions and they work independently from each other and they just run. But in the end, they, all the, the things that they do hit the customer. And I'm kind of, I'm the customer ambassador here. I need to make sure that the experience for the customer in our physical spaces is as good as possible. Outstanding, not only outstanding in the car industry, but outstanding in retail. So what I need to do then and what I'm good at is to interact with others smart people that are running in their tracks towards their goals to make sure that we work together and they understand my picture and then i usually say that not only think about what i want to do and, and support me in doing so but i really try to see how can what i do support them as well so by working together it's a win-win situation so if i get to where i want you can actually over there get to where you want as well and in the end the customer would get a better, better experience so i think my, my, I think my, my super uh, power is to, to really uh, work across the organization to make sure that we have the common goal and, and that we work in the same direction uh, when regards to, to what I'm put here for. So um, that, I think, is the best answer. <laughs> yeah, great. It's not, it's, the best, like... it's not the best superpower. I would like to fly or something, but, but um, yeah. this is, that, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think it's crossroads, you know, and knowing where to turn, you know, it's it's very yeah. important if you want, you know, at the end to get to the right direction, you know, so unless we can, we can get lost on the way, no, it's, it's, and also it's about the people, you know, empowering, uh, like you see that, that you also put this as, as one of the parts of, of your, uh, let's say, creative experience, you know, how to work with uh, empowering and how to motivate and working in the climate of these people really explains this is what also I, I saw. And uh, yeah, I people think, are bringing yeah, or taking yeah. energy many times. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're very right. Uh, it's simple as that and maybe boring, but it's about people. It's about, it's about making people um, get energized by things that you initiate and, and, and by, by that working in the same direction and get people to... To, to succeed together. I think uh, it's, it's a company that has um, like um, functions of people like isolated islands cannot succeed because you would never get the power that you get when you get people seeing the same ambition and working and putting their hearts and, and minds into something. So I think that is really important. And then as a person, you need to be able to to um, you, you need to be able to, to um, uh, initiate that and get people to do that because it's one thing to say it or put it on a, on a paper, but to really make it happen and get people engaged even outside their own functions. I think that's a, that's a good ability. I, I'm fortunate to have a, a bit of that. And I think other people that can interact and get people with them and to get people to work together, I think that is uh, one of the biggest tools to get things to happen. And for the for the last question, uh, what I have so slowly, hopefully it's not hard, you know, as as the others. What what do you see since you're such a creative person, have many experiences and things? How do you what do you suggest, for example? Where do you uh, reflect? What do you read or which what do you listen uh, or you know how do you stay inspired to keep this creative uh, you know mind going forward? Yeah, um, you know what I think it's a it's a mix between. Um, 
being my age, uh, a bit over 50, and, and still uh, doing things like trying to go to provocative uh, theater uh, shows and trying to listen to uh, maybe new music and, and, and um, trying to explore the world, uh, being my age, but also uh, trying to squeeze myself into the younger generation. And I have a son who is 17, He's not, or 16, he's 16 only, but he is not too fond of what I listen to or what I think is cool. But uh, so I try to hijack him every now and then and in his friends without being embarrassing. I want to take part of their life. I want to take part of what they're doing and how they use social media and what they look at. And quite often you actually see that what everything goes in cycles, you know. So when he uh, and the younger generation think something new is cool you can often see okay that is really cool i've never seen that before but it reminds me of something that happened 25 years ago and you see a connection and by giving that connection back to the young people they get a bit excited because they see that this is not totally new it has a link to the to the past and by that you get some credibility as, a, as an older person so i think staying 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 um uh, kind of um safe where you are and being as open as you can and listen you go to different kind of cultural events to really keep keep uh, keep open and creative but also try to force yourself into areas where you normally would not be part of and um, and try to understand what they are driven from and 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 uh, how how you can benefit from that and also linking to history as i said see how times kind of come over and over again, and cycles uh, support you in understanding why, why different trends reoccur over, over time. So um, open mind in the different ways, I think, both where you are and, and where you are not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's challenge, challenging yourself in a way in, in different uh, possible things, yeah, and, and going, uh, it's sometimes pushing out us out of comfort zone in a way to to go beyond what we are used to and like we yes. see the muscles and also our minds are adapting to uh, you know when we stretch uh, yeah. in, in in direction yeah as as well i mean as well as staying where you are both doing both things both exploring and and digging where you are but also challenging yourself as you said and then i mean lately uh, i just got i got so curious about the apple uh, all of a sudden. So last weekend, I, I I actually watched two Steve Jobs films. You know, the one called Jobs and the one called Steve Jobs. And then I I, I read the uh, Steve Jobs book uh, again, just to kind of get a refresher of what was he thinking and how did he succeed and why did they not succeed and what kind of learnings can I take from that? So I think going back to things that you maybe have uh, experienced before, but kind of uh, refreshing them and put them in a new light and use them again i think that's a that's a good tool as well yeah yeah a lot a lot to talk about this uh, uh and, and it would be pleasure with you i know in taking a lot of your time but i hope we find some good whiskey you know to discuss further you know one day then. and uh it's for the for the last maybe just suggestion do you nominate you mentioned a few companies and there's would you nominate somebody you know some leader that you would like to hear us also to join and fast forward and then share with you you know is there some company mm. or person that you would uh, you know let's say would like to hear yeah wow uh, interesting um i would i would like to i would like to dive into other industries to to learn about their innovation and how they drive things forward so i'm thinking about i don't know Petter Stordalen, who, who runs uh, different uh, hotels in, in Norway, in Sweden and uh, abroad. I mean, that would be a really interesting guy to, to, to understand how he looks at the, that industry and that business that is quite traditional, how he wants to, how he wants to, to kind of uh, refresh that and put it in a new context in, 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 the, in the today's world. Um, and then another one I would like to listen to is... Uh, an old friend from uh, the fashion industry when I, where I worked a long time ago. Um, he started up a company. Uh, his name is uh, Lasse Carlson. He started up, uh, up Monkey and uh, Ship Monday, you know, really cool uh, uh, fashion brands and, and denim brands. He lives in Seattle now. I haven't met him for many years. So it would be really good to listen to him and his kind of um, explanation of being innovative and starting new companies 
and, and, and looking at the, an old industry, but reshaping it and putting it in a new concept or, or package and relaunching it to new kind of uh, target group to make it successful again. So it would also be super interesting to listen to or someone else in that kind of uh, area uh, within fashion, I think, because fashion is, uh, is really running quick and, and they need to find their ways of, of um, either be smart, sustainable and, and affordable or being super yep. expensive and, and, and exclusive. I think both are interesting. Um, that's that's a great great overview. You know how you know the di different industries can can really help us to to learn from. Uh, we'll let you know. We'll contact them. Uh, say they, they are nominated. Yeah, and let you know the the details. With this, I would like to thank you again, Magnus, just for this recording part. We are we are uh, stopping the recording, and uh, we can do the closing also.